Okay, let's turn to the Word of God then. Uh, just three verses at this time. And uh, after I read it, I'll just fill you in with what we're still doing in the ministry. Mark 1, verse 40. Now a leper came to Jesus, imploring him, kneeling down to him, and saying to him, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus moved with compassion, stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I am willing, be cleansed. As soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. Note those words in verse 41. Jesus moved with compassion. He was moved. Now ever since that, many people including yourselves and your pastor, have been moved. Jesus was moved by what he saw. He was moved by what he heard, and he was moved by what he felt. A leper was standing before him, condemned, alone, isolated, and suicidal. And no one could help him. This was his last resort so he breaks through and he comes to Jesus. And Jesus was moved. Many people over the years have been moved. Moved to go as missionaries like Claire. Moved. Moved to start a work. By the way, June and I just celebrated our 50th anniversary there and the family sent us all on a cruise. And I never met as many Filipinos in all my life. They were everywhere. And there was a wee girl at the toaster one morning, and she was singing, and I said to her, are you a Christian? She says, yes, are you a Christian? She was bubbling. And then, as a result of that, I met a good few of the folk. They have a, had a fellowship on the, on the boat. I met the leader, met so many of them. They're everywhere. <laughs> but they're absolutely beautiful. Absolutely. The fellowship, that was a thrilling to meet so many, and especially to meet the leader of that fellowship group on that large boat. So, you know people that have been moved. Maybe you have been moved. We used to sing a chorus many, 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 many years ago, the move was on. <laughs> do you remember that? Do you? Hey, you're older than I thought. <laughs> And many of you, if you were up here telling your story, you would be able to say how God spoke to you and moved you. Well, this wee message is called The Promptings Within. When by the Holy Spirit, he speaks to you, reveals something to you, and moves you. And this is what happened to me 26 years ago when I, had, I was pastoring in Larnelam. And I didn't need a vision at that time because we just moved into new premises and I had enough on my plate and the work was growing. And God revealed to me what would happen in the last days concerning families. I love the family. I've got six children and 12 grandchildren. Uh, I love the family. You love the family. And many people laughed at that time 
when I shared with them the vision, the clear vision. And to this day, 26 years later, I can tell you in detail what God revealed to me that night. As a result, I started a ministry called Family Life Foundation. I was reaching out to families who were torn with conflict, depression, you name it, families. Had it. And it was bad back then. But I don't have to, no need to exaggerate this morning because you know it's true what's happening to families today. Don't you? They're torn apart. They're going through awful times and families everywhere. I said to someone the other day, is there a family that doesn't have trouble? And that's the way it is. So this family, this family Life Foundation ministry developed counseling ministry and you know that I don't know how many years ago it was when we had the the counseling course here the 12-week course prepare to care well I was looking at the figures the other day and we had up until two or three years ago we had trained 1,000 people not lovely 1,000 people from all denominations, from Dundalk to the Bogside, you name it, we were invited because there were so many Christians sitting in pews and seats, and they had a heart, they had a ministry, they had a calling, and coming alongside them, going through that 12 week, they were able to work with their leadership. We always told them that's the way it had to be, work with their pastor or their leader in developing caring ministries. Amen. It's not lovely. To think about it, if nothing else happened, at least there were a thousand people. I remember one Presbyterian church, and they brought us in on two occasions, and we trained all their eldership, all their leadership of the church. And uh, it went on to be a tremendous... And many of those people that did courses, many, they went on to university to do degrees and counseling, and now they're involved in other professional ministries. So that was good, Amen. So there was the counseling ministry, there was the training, uh, there was the developing of the whole thing. But then, but then, 12 years ago, that's why I missed June, 12 years ago, I was heartbroken because June was diagnosed with breast cancer. And I'm a leader, I'm a pastor, I'm supposed to have all the answers, but I didn't on this occasion. And I thought, who's there that I can talk to? Am I going to lose my wife? mother of six children, and a great mother at that. And I called all the charities, cancer research, all the charities, cancer charities that you can mention. Have you a Christian ministry? Is there a Christ- None. There were Christians working for them, but we know under the present at law, they're not allowed to carry on Christian ministry. You know that, don't you? So I'm stuck. I can't find anybody and any of these charities that would come, that I could go and see, or they could come and see me, sit down with me, and that I could share my broken heart, my concern. And I went to prayer. Lord, what's happening here? Am I going to lose my wife? Who can answer these questions that I have got? After all, I was there for other people, sorting out their problems, but now here I am. And remember the Holy Spirit sent to me, and some Pentecostals have difficulty with this because they believe that everybody should be healed and that these sort of ministries don't belong in Pentecostal circles. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, Roy, I permitted this. What? That was a shock. I permitted your wife's cancer. Whew. But I believed every... June was anointed with oil. She was prayed for the whole jolly lot. 
but she had to have surgery and six months chemotherapy. And the Holy Spirit spoke to her and said, Roy, I permitted this for a reason. Because I want you to add another dimension to your family life ministry and call it family care and cancer. It is the only Christian ministry in Ireland. There are great charities, great people working for those charities, doing a wonderful job, but there are no such thing as an evangelical Christian ministry. And so we developed that. Some people thought, well, Roy, it's a wee bit too soon after June's cancer and in her treatment. But I felt it was right. Got some people on board and we developed our first support group in Carrick. Then other support groups. We have a support group in Uri. We have a support group in Carrick-Fergus. We're already negotiating. We're dealing with people in Monaghan and somebody else and somebody else in the Shankill Road and you name it. Because everywhere I go, I was in a wee church outside of Monaghan there recently. Some of you would know it. But 60 of a congregation. And, and I said to him, I said, by the way, would you raise your hand if, if you in your immediate family or your extended family have been touched by cancer? And I got, was shocked. Every hand went up. Every hand. And a congregation of about 60 people, that was a way just outside of Monaco. So I haven't to tell you how rampant it is, how many lives have been touched, but it's just to say that we have a ministry at reaching out, touching, counseling, helping, befriending. We have moved into at, uh, lovely premises with with, with Ken Wilson of Reaching the Teaching Ministries in Ballymena. Beautiful. We have a lovely accommodation there with our offices at uh, a, a lovely kitchen facilities, a conference room that seats about 200, a charity shop, you name it. We've moved into that there for maybe about two years. And we have a full-time coordinator of family care and cancer who lost his wife two years ago at 50 years of age. And so this ministry is developing. This is I'm only telling you a little because... It's all right me preaching about others being moved, but I was moved. Now, I had a choice. What do I do? Here I am going through this with my wife. What do I do? There are others like myself who need help. And I was, as I was moved 26 years ago to found the Ministry of Family Life Foundation, which is still operating from our center in Balamina. Now God says, I want you to develop this ministry because there are people that need help, that need someone to sit down alongside them and be able to share that they have come through it, how they coped with it, how they found help, and how they managed. Okay, folks, are you with me so far? Because the thing that bugs me is this, when somebody's gone through a trauma and somebody that hasn't a clue comes alongside them and say, I know how you feel. And here's the answer. And they quote you all sorts of scriptures. One guy faced me one day. And he said to me, he says, Roy, there are two reasons why you, I've just finished treatment after three years for my own cancer. And he says, there are two, there, there's a, uh, two reasons why you, have, why you have had cancer in your wife. I said, what and what are that? Unbelief and sin. <laughs> well, I says, I thought that sin was unbelief and unbelief was sin. But anyway... And, I, and then I shared my heart with him a wee bit. And this is what he said to me. He says, Roy, 
Whenever it's advertised you're preaching somewhere, I'll not be around. <laughs> I says, thank God for that. <laughs> so that's what's happened in the life of a Pentecostal pastor. That's been my journey up until now. Family Life Foundation Ministry, a family care and cancer ministry that's operating from this lovely center in Palomina. We have support groups where we meet together, fellowship. We have lunch, and then we reach out to the to the, 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 the other support groups in various parts of the province and its development because cancer is rampant. Now, I wonder, before I continue with my message, in here this morning, how many of you in your immediate family or your extended family have been touched by cancer? Just raise your hand. What? That's shocking. So you know a little of the pain that I had and the turmoil and the searching for someone that could sit down alongside of you and put an arm around you and say, I know exactly how you feel. And I'll be your friend. I was preaching in Lurgan on Wednesday night past. Monday morning, first call, this man came on. He was, he was troubled. I said, what is it, Eric? He says, my wife got the all clear two weeks ago. She went through treatment at the same time as I did in the city hospital. Two weeks ago, she had the all clear. Great. Two weeks later, for whatever reason, the cancer's brag. And she was elated. And then after two weeks, Devastated. And then she came on the phone and she said, Roy, now listen to this. On a Monday morning, listen to this. A lovely Christian lady, she says, Roy, they've given me no hope. Two weeks earlier, she, they said she was clear. And two weeks later, there's no hope. Not really, I prayed for her and I will follow her up. She's down from Dungannon. And on Wednesday night, I'm taking a service, a big crowd. And this woman comes over to me and says, here's my husband. He got the old clear a few weeks ago. I'm rejoicing. And now she says, they've discovered cells here, there, and everywhere. And he's terminally ill. Wednesday night everywhere I go. And isn't it great to know folks this morning? Isn't it great to know as Pentecostals that we can be involved in that sort of caring ministry? What do you say to that? Do you agree with that? Or should we just get all those people in a prayer line and pray for them and demand in Jesus' name that they be healed from their cancer? It's not happening. We do that. We do that anyway because God still heals. Do you believe that? But what if the prayer line doesn't work? What if the anointing with oil doesn't work? Do we leave them and let them die alone in their misery? I say no. And that's why I've come to this wee message this morning. Jesus was moved. We all believe that Jesus was caring. Amen? A very caring Savior. 
He was preaching to a multitude and they hadn't any food. And it says he was moved with compassion. Moved to provide food for them. There was a wee widow in Nain and she had lost her husband and now her son had died and Jesus came into the city at the right time and met a cortege and he was moved with compassion. He told the story about the Good Samaritan. The religious folk passed by on the other side because of the demands of the law that they weren't to touch anybody in that condition and along came a Samaritan. And Jesus tells the story and he says the Samaritan was moved with compassion. Moved. And that's the inner prompting. Whatever the situation, whatever you're going through or someone else, something happens in your life. A little voice speaks. There's a conviction of the Holy Spirit. What should I do? What should I say? Where should I go? Should I pick up the telephone, give them a little call? Should I send them a card? Should I call at the door and say, I've been thinking about you? I would love to see a congregation like this, a congregation of people who are moved. Not to be preachers, not to be worship leaders, but moved to caring. Coming alongside someone that's alone. Someone that's had devastating news. Someone that needs a friend. Someone that needs not just to tell them, I know how you're feeling. Quote all the scriptures, give them the whole lot. What a terrible thing to do. Yes, we believe in the scriptures, but that's not what people need when they're heartbroken. Of anything, of anything, they need somebody to put an arm around their shoulder. So Jesus was moved. Claire was moved. You're having all sorts of activities to support her. Others have been moved. I was moved for family life and family care and cancer. I had a choice. I could have said, no, I have enough in my hands. I'm pastoring a successful church. Things are going well. I, I had no need of this. And didn't get a lot of support, mind you. But I think that's a testimony in itself that 26 years later, the work's still going on. Amen? And families are still being helped and people are still being at, uh, trained and lovely facilities down there in Palomino. You should call someday and get a cup of tea, see what we've got. Moved. I think of many, I could stand here for the next hour and mention others. Your pastor would know many others. I think of David Wilkerson. He was just in prayer and he seen that advert about seven young thugs that had battered that young boy to, to death. And he was moved. And the rest is history. What started with one man being moved, now in 89 countries in the world we have Teen Challenge, rehabilitation centers. And my heart's still there because you, some of you know that later on then, or earlier than, than all that, earlier than that, God moved me to go and meet David Wilkerson. And I left the church and then founded the ministry of Teen Challenge. 
moved. But that's all right for David Wilkerson. That's all right for Claire. That's all right for Roy Kerr. What about yourself? What about the things that God reveals to you? What about the person that God places on your heart? What about the person that you meet? What about the story that you hear? In your heart of hearts, because you love Jesus and you know that he was moved. And by the way, when he was moved on this occasion, you know when this man presented his, his, his heartbroken request to Jesus, Jesus didn't say a word before he did something. Jesus says, yeah, because the man said, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus' response to the man, the leper, the broken-hearted man, the outcast, the condemned man, the suicidal, Jesus' response to that man wasn't a sermon because Jesus could easily have preached a sermon and said, Mr., you've got it wrong. This is what the law says in Leviticus. You've got it wrong. We better do it the right way. Jesus didn't say a word before he did something, and I want you to make a note of this. In response to what he saw, in response to what he heard, and in response to what he felt, the Bible says he reached out a hand and touched him. Aha, you don't do that. You're breaking the law. I know the law came by Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. But I know Jesus fulfilled the law afterwards. And there were critics there ready to condemn Jesus. Hold on a wee minute. He's a leper, and this is the way that it ought to be. But you could argue the point and say, well, if that's the way that it ought to be, this man has been living maybe for months, maybe years with this condition. He has nobody to go to. The church can't, can't help him. And you're, the, you're my last resort. Now, what was it in Jesus' heart that caused him to be moved with compassion and to reach out and touch an untouchable? Because that's what he was. He was unloved. He was untouchable. He was unwanted. So what caused the Son of God, God that's manifest in the flesh, the Nazarene, what caused Jesus to reach out and do something that he was going to be criticized for, severely criticized because of what he felt? Because of what he felt. That word compassion means that he was moved to the depth of his being. That's what it means, the depth of his being. No need, he's a leper. He's condemned. He has no standing in society. Nobody wants him. <laughs> he wants to do it with somebody else, but not with this leper. Oh, yes, with a leper. He was moved. But to, to break tradition, to do the unthinkable. In other words, Jesus built a bridge. Not with steel and concrete or anything else. Didn't need a civil engineer. Jesus built a bridge with his hand. With his hand. The untouchable and the Son of God. And Jesus reaches out a hand and touches him. Because he's moved. Moved. Now as a result of this wee message today, I wonder who will be moved. Because of what you see because of what you hear, because of what you feel, moved. I was out for a walk. I would walk on a Saturday night also. 
went for a walk and was walking down the road and suddenly this wee thought came to me. Go back to this house. Hold on a wee minute. I don't know these people. But I knew that there was a death in the home that, that week. And I'm walking on, so it's, it's not my business really. And this gets stronger and stronger. It's uncomfortable, isn't it? You've been there, haven't you? It's uncomfortable. Because you see, you have a responsibility. What do I do? What's my response to this? So after a bit of a battle, I turned and my healing went back and went to the door and said, I believe you've had your troubles. You've had a death. And they invited me in. And, and I went in and prayed with them. All right. Just from having a walk. I was moved. But you see, it's all right me talking here this morning and you saying that's good and we believe all that and all the rest. But the thing is, it's doing it. There's three things I've written down here before I finish. What had Jesus and these others in common? A sensitivity to the need. A sensitivity to the need. And you have to be sensitive. You can't go barging in you can't go in and say, <coughs> well, here's, here's all the, <coughs> excuse me, well, that one's empty, and this one's full, so I'll try this. Is it all right? If I take a wee drop of this water here, okay? You can't do this. This is what has spoiled our testimony. Testimony of churches. Somebody barges in. This is the way that it ought to be. Stand and cast out devils out of somebody with constant. I used to shudder when I went to a church to preach in this man. I used to pray when the requests for people with cancer. And he used to stand and cast out all the demons of the day. And I thought, there you are, Roy. According to that theology, because of my cancer, I had demons. I can't handle that sort of theology. Can you any of you answer? I can't. But Jesus was sensitive. And if you're being moved, there has to be a sensitivity to the need. The second thing is this. There has to be a willingness to respond. A willingness. Now, that's the tough one, isn't it? That's the tough one. I would like to be a carer. I would like to help. I would like to be a friend. I would like to this and encourage. And look, people everywhere need encouragement this weather, don't they? Everywhere. <clears throat> but there has to be a willingness in your part to respond. What have I got to give? What have I got to share? Well, maybe you can share your own experience. Look at how many hands were raised here this morning with with regards to your immediate family, your extended family, or maybe some of maybe yourselves have been touched by cancer, like myself. Like it nearly broke June's heart when I was diagnosed with an aggressive cancer outside the prostate, grade eight. And of course, you're 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 not you're wise enough to know that if it's out if it's outside the prostate and it's grade eight, it's going to touch the bones. And once it gets to the bones, it's curtains. It's all over. And I've just two or three weeks ago finished treatment after three years. That's why I've put on a bit of weight with it all. 
Have you think that I'm a bit of a glutton? Well, I won't even make that correct that this morning. <laughs> I like my food, but I'm not that. <laughs> a willingness to respond. I've been in the way the Lord led me. Whatever he says unto you, do it. And wouldn't it be wonderful? And lovely, I, love, I love ministering here. This is beautiful. The atmosphere and you folks. Oh, it's a delight. Why if, I'd, why if I had to wait all these years to get here? <laughs> I, must have, I must have done something right and say the last few days or weeks. <laughs> beautiful. But whatever. Your own experience. Mom or a dad or a husband or, or wife or a child or something. Something that would be a benefit to other people. And you don't need words. Who was the famous leader that said, if necessary, use words. If necessary, use words. But Jesus acted on what he felt and what he saw and, and what he heard. He, he moved into action. And that's why he did the unthinkable when he reached out a hand and he touched the man. Whew, you're in trouble, Jesus. <laughs> you're in big trouble. They'll be bearing down on you. I'm telling you, you're, 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 you were in, in trouble before, but it's worse now because of your actions. But Jesus only did those things that his father showed him. He only spoke those things that his father revealed to him. So this is the heart of God reaching out to a condemned, broken, suicidal man in a public place. Amen. And you know the outcome, praise God. And this is the third thing here as I come to close here today. A sensitivity to the need, a willingness to respond, and a great conclusion. On every occasion Jesus acted, on every occasion that other people that I could mention this morning acted, there was a fantastic outcome, always. Claire was moved. Look at the outcome. David Wilkerson was moved. Look at the outcome. From one man and his vision. Now, 89 countries in the world. Now, wonderful, isn't it? Amy Carmichael. When she couldn't get into any of the missionary societies, she just got a boat and she sailed and she became an outstanding missionary. Amen. She was moved. Well, others haven't to go to China or to India. What about Mother Teresa? One of the greatest, one of the greatest examples. And the ministry still goes on. Still goes on. Somebody was moved. This is happening day and daily in other lives. Preachers' lives, elders' lives. Mothers' lives, wives' lives. And look at the outcome. Look at the reward. That's all I'm saying. Look at the reward of being sensitive. Look at the, the reward of being willing. And then watch and see how God works. Watch and see the lives that are touched. Watch and see the healing that comes. Watch and see the reconciliation. Watch and see how people are blessed and restored. Amen. Very simple, isn't it? But that's how Jesus worked. You know, when I think of it, and I'm finished with it, when I think of it, 
Jesus going into the city of Nain. That woman had already lost her husband. She was broken hearted. Now her son dies. She's left on her own. With no means of support. A broken, lonely woman. And Jesus sees her. And Jesus says to her, weep not. Now nobody else could do that. Weep not. What are you talking about, weep not? I've lost my husband and I've lost me, my son. Where do I go from here? Where do I get the, enough money in the week to, to keep body and soul together? What am I going to do? I've lost them, the people that I love. And Jesus says, don't weep. Weep not. And he was moved with compassion and he did the unthinkable again. He was willing to respond. And he went over to the open coffin, touched the young man. The young man was raised to life again. Amen. And joy came back into that mother's heart. And hope. And a future. I have a whole list of other people that have been moved. Whole list. But I'm finished. Some of you have been moved. Some of you will be moved. But remember, be sensitive to the need. Be sensitive. Be willing to respond whatever he says to you do. And then watch and see how God works, touches lives, restore families, brings strength to those who are weak and hope to the hopeless. Just watch and see it. All he wants is your sensitivity, your willingness. And he's, heaven will come to your aid and come to their aid. And you'll see what God can do. The fallen being raised up. The broken being healed. The lonely finding peace and a future again. Amen. Glory to God. Isn't he a great God this morning? Wonderful Savior. But you're a lovely people. This is a delight. I just sense his presence. Sense his presence. And I know he's speaking to some of your hearts. I was only an ordinary guy. At five years of age, old Dr. Simpson in the wee village of Ahochel <clears throat> came to my parents and said, enjoy your son because you'll not have him after his sixth birthday. Because I had a condition of the throat and they said that I, would, that I wouldn't live. And I remember that clearly. I can't go beyond that when I was five. Can't, can't go beyond that. <clears throat> but I remember them bringing a bed down to the wee front room in the wee terraced house, getting a lot of toys out. My chums in the street would come in and play with me because they were making <clears throat> the best of it because they weren't going to have me too much longer. Now, I don't understand it. But I'm coming 74, and God's been good to me. Amen.